first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. Hey, Scott. How you doing? I'm good, Kara. How are you? Yeah, good. A little tired. A little tired. I had one sick really? child this weekend. I'm exhausted. And a baby. So, a new baby. You have to keep the baby and Claire apart, which means we each sort of um, split them up to conquer and, you know. Don't babies, don't babies come out chock full of immunities? Not exactly. The doctor was no. like, do not bring the toxic stew child who's in preschool near the baby for a little bit. Doctors mm. always say that, though, right? They always say that kind mm. of thing. Nonetheless, she was indeed sick. There was projectile vomiting, et cetera, et cetera. But now it's all Really? Solved. Yes. It was turned out to be an ear infection. I went to one of those Oof. clinics that are now popping up. There's all these things. This one was called PM Pediatrics. They're actually quite good. Or urgent and all that, yeah. Well, kind of. They, it's just an interesting MD business. Now. I was thinking of it as a business that was going in. Actually, did a great job, and thank God uh, they do a great like, job. I like those things a lot. Unlike many people, I have insurance, um, and it was great. It was, uh, but it was it definitely an interesting. It was. They just have popped up everywhere um, because doctor. Mm-hmm. The whole way doctors work are so, is so inefficient. They're not. All children get sick on Friday at five p.m. Just so you know. Like, so you're sort of... That's when it happens? Yeah, exactly. It always happens. But nonetheless, anyway, um, so we have a lot to do today. We're going to discuss how one tech giant left its users' data in the lurch, the latest changes mm-hmm. to the Biden's agenda. And we'll take a listener question about responsible disclosure. So first off, uh, interestingly, I just got the book, and I think we're going to have them on uh, on Pivot, called Out of Office by Charlie Wurzel and Anne Helen Peterson. Um, It's all Mm -hmm. about the big problem and promise from working at home. Uh, But Apple said they're going to have employees go back to the office in February. You know, it had been moved and moved and moved again. Um, And the new policy will eventually have employees commuting to work three days a week only if they wanted to. Uh, Apple had to change its previous back to office plan after employee backlash, which I think Mm -hmm. is really interesting. Similarly, Disney uh, had to pause its vaccine mandate for workers in Florida as it complies with new ban in state. I suspect they had a lot of problems, and obviously they really rely on their, their workers quite heavily. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so what do you think of this? What do you, what do you think about this? Well, if, if you want to get a group of people in denial together, get a group of commercial real estate owners together. I'm, I mean, this supposedly, you know, the narrative is we can't wait to get back into the office, and they always publicize how— Jamie Dimon or somebody says we're you know we're going back to work. If Apple, if Apple is a proxy for what's going to happen, you know we want to process information into zeros and ones. So the argument is whether we're going to be back to the office, business as usual, or we're going to be all remote. And the answer is ninety percent of companies are going to be somewhere in the middle. But what we have done here, the incredible innovation, the change in lifestyle, the what you call the great reassessment, which I really like, has resulted in if Apple is a proxy for more largely what might happen, where people go into the office three days a week, not five days a week, that effectively is probably a net destruction in um, office demand of somewhere between 20 and 40%. So assume we were going to want more office space per person. 
you still at a minimum are going to lose 20% of the demand, maybe even as much as 40%. And when you look at when you look at office buildings as an asset class, depending on how you calculate it in North America, they're somewhere between six and twelve trillion dollar asset class. They're enormous. Yeah. So and wait, are they the proxy you, though? Why are they the proxy necessarily? Well, I, I to me that just sounds kind of infinitely reasonable. And the majority of big companies I talk to are saying that we want people back in the office at the same time we recognize the remote technologies and the needs of our workers likely mean we have learned how to not demand you're in the office at 9 a.m. till 6 p.m. I think there's just a general recognition that the traditional way of doing work, that we can innovate around it. We've got, we have gotten used to being productive remotely, and there's value to being in the office, but we are thinking the unthinkable now. The notion that you could start a job and not come into the office it just it, it, the majority of companies just wouldn't have allowed you to do that. So if you're talking about um, a destruction in twenty to forty percent of demand, which seems conservative, you're talking about an asset class that is somewhere between six and twelve trillion dollars. You're talking about two to four trillion dollars of the GDP of Germany dispersing from one asset class, commercial real estate, to another asset class, which is residential. So you know, William Sonoma Restoration Hardware is sub zero. You know, Coulter, you know, Lanier, all these home builders. Mm-hmm. I think you're just going to see a massive destruction in stakeholder value around the office industrial complex, and an increase in value. Some of it good, some of it not so good, because housing is just going to get more and more expensive to residential. But if it costs you twenty five to thirty five thousand dollars employee, which it does, to put them in this structure of steel, glass, and asbestos, and you say to them, okay, you can work at home. We're going to decrease dramatically the amount of money we save. And I've saved a, my my ed tech startup, Section 4, we've saved a million dollars in office costs over the last 12 months. Yeah, I think, and travel, not just that, travel and office costs. And, and business like travel, so sure. There was a very good story, I think it was a column in the New York Times, about how starting your job at at, mm-hmm. over Zoom was really not great for young people, especially yeah, your first job. And that was an interesting piece. I mean, it's sort of state of the obvious that you don't really get to meet people, network. Et cetera, et cetera. So how do you work that out to create office culture or company culture, really, not office culture more than company culture? Well, it's, it's proximity bias, but I can tell you what we're doing. I think a lot of startups are doing this, and that is we're going to have smaller office space. It's going to be nicer. Mm-hmm. It's going to be more like a place to recruit and inspire. But what we're also doing, and there's more nuance around the travel argument, is that we're going to be doing more off-sites, and the off-sites are going to be over the top. When we get people together, you know, we just did a Thanksgiving dinner and we go somewhere really nice and we do gifts bags for everybody. We're probably going to do an offsite. Mm-hmm. You know, all these sort of what I call fat offsite resort com- or resorts that are sort of optimized for nice corporate retreats, mm-hmm. they're just going to kill it because mm-hmm. what they're going to decide. Near cities or where? I, you know, that's a really interesting question. I so so I can tell you firsthand in. New York, if you have a restaurant that has private rooms, mm-hmm. you've never been bus- busier mm-hmm. um, because when people get together, they want to do really nice things. They want to go to really nice places. But I also think destination resorts for retreats are just going to do incredibly well. So we're going to spend, I think the actual gross demand for office space will go down by 
probably 40%, but the dollar, mm -hmm. the destruction in actual expenditures, I think will go down $20 uh, per square foot because I think we're going to spend more on the few feet we decide to keep to make it more inspirational. It'll mm -hmm. be less great drab cubes. It'll be more in like nice conference rooms, more coffee, you know, places that people create connections. And then the offsites are just going to be over the top because right. they're going to want people to be inspired, meet. What's interesting is it has all these second order effects. And we don't like to talk about it because we immediately go to like Matt Lauer or something. But mm -hmm. one in three relationships begin at work. Yeah. And it used to be kind of loosely speaking, one in three at work, one in three at school, and one in three online. It's now gone to two in three online. Yeah. And because people aren't people aren't going to work, so they're not meeting mates, there's very few places that have a more curated selection of like-minded potential mates than either college or your workplace. And the workplace is kind of going away as a place to to meet. You know, every company I've started, we end up having uh, weddings. You know, people meet and get married from from work. So it'll be just interesting to see what it means for uh, marriages um, and mating and relationships. And now two and three relationships are beginning online, online, which has a third order effect, and that is there's huge mating inequality online. Yeah, anyway. yeah, absolutely. So then you have the Walt Disney Company pausing coronavirus vaccine mandate. They were one of the, you talked about this, that, that they pushed the state legislature around and the governor DeSantis, but not so. Um, they could be facing fines. They decided uh, after the Republican-controlled legislator put up a bill blocking COVID-19 vaccine mandates that was signed into law, um, protecting them in all kinds of ways. Um, even though the Biden administration has ordered vaccinations for workers in large companies across the federal workforce, it, there's resistance everywhere. Um, so, and Florida has, has, has challenged that. So now Disney World, who previously struck a deal with employees to require theme park workers, is according to the New York Times, to be fully vaccinated against coronavirus to keep their jobs. A company defended the rule in a statement Saturday. I'm going to read the statement. It was in the Times. We believe that our approach to mandatory vaccines has a right one, and we continue to focus on safety and well-being of our cast members and guests, the statement said. Now, more than 90% of its active cast members have been verified as vaccinated. So it's an interesting, like, why bother fighting them, presumably? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. What do you think? We did uh, one of these Friendsgivings over the mm -hmm. weekend, and mm -hmm. it was really nice. And it's basically the Thanksgiving everybody wants. It's sort of mm -hmm. this wonderful holiday minus the downside of holidays, specifically yeah. your family. Yeah. And so Friendsgivings are everywhere, and they're wonderful. Yeah, they're we all went around. We all went around and said what we're thankful for. And mm -hmm. I said I was thankful for science. And the moment I said it, I merely felt like a certain amount of guilt that, uh-oh, I've turned Thanksgiving political. Because right. there's, uh, right. I live in right. Florida. In Florida, kind of where I live looks a lot like America. It's mm -hmm. not red, it's not blue, it's kind of purple. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what, F fuck that. It, it, science never used to be political. Yeah. And I find that we suffer on the left from this both-sidism mm -hmm. where we shouldn't. And there just is, in my view, mm -hmm. no excuse for government officials all pandering to uh, evangelicals or ultra-white mm -hmm. wingers in mm -hmm. Iowa and are reducing our safety. Disney World draws people from all over the world, including Europe, which is seeing an enormous spike mm -hmm. in COVID-19. So this, what I'll call irrational spread of death, disease, and disability by politicians who are all jonesing to get one more straw on a poll mm -hmm. in Iowa in 18 months, I find it repugnant. And mm -hmm. I think you know, Disney's kind of caught in the middle. I'm, it's nice to see that they're at 90 plus percent. I think it's a good organization. But I think Florida, a lot of people will say Florida is going to come out of this looking really good because you have had a balance of life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a balance between quality of life and taking precautions. Mm -hmm. 
But it's just so sad that we have taken – it just seems to me pretty pretty reasonable that when you're bringing millions of people to a small, dense area and putting them on rides sitting shoulder to shoulder yeah. – that you would decide to opt for the conservative. And not only that, Disney is willing to take the financial uh, burden here. They're not asking yeah. the state to bail them out to have additional. Mm -hmm. The state is coming in and say, no, we want you to loosen your restrictions. And, I, and, and pay for testing of if if the people that decide not to. to Because um, apparently I, I that's reasonable. I can't what believe the think? test is reasonable. And the vaccine, I don't know. It's just interesting. It's yeah, interesting. It just doesn't make any goddamn sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's just, you know, it's this whole change in workers, though. I have to say, there's this thing. It's really, it's really interesting. I'm excited to talk to uh, Charlie and Anne about this, because I think it's a really interesting time around the workplace. Um, for a lot of people, not everybody, but certainly for a lot. It's definitely knowledge workers, et cetera. Um, Speaking of unusual and surprising things, Jeff Bezos donated a cool $100 million to the Obama Foundation. He asked a plaza at the at the museum, I guess, that's coming to be renamed in honor of John Lewis, which they probably would have done anyway. According to the press release, it, it seems like not very much money compared to his wife. That's all I had. To, that's all I thought. I don't know. Yeah, the, the whole thing's just so the, the dollars are becoming, I mean, didn't you give $100 million to Van Jones? Something like that, yeah. I'm just not like, very much. He really, He's so rich. It's like giving twenty five really bucks. Him? I don't know. He but, he gave out all these like hero awards or something like that. In a weird way, I like. I don't think you can be. I, I I think it's nice. I think it's good when people give money. I don't. I'm not one of these people that's like. Mm -hmm. I understand the structural problems with philanthropy and how it indicates a larger problem that we shouldn't just be you know depending on the the grace and generosity of billionaires to fund our our essentials. I, I get the argument, but I think it's hard to criticize people for giving. Giving money yes, away. That's fair. The, 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 what it does do though is that and I like to think of myself as a philanthropic person. And, and what I've been thinking of lately, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, is I'm like, when there's guys giving this much money away, mm -hmm. does my money make any difference? I mean, you, mm -hmm. you know it does and you continue to do it, but it's like, what's a lot of money for most givers? You then look at these donations and it's like, okay, sweat off his brow, 100 million bucks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what is my ex going to do? I wonder. I wonder what's happened to small dollar donations when they see these guys, and it's almost always guys kind of rolling up and saying, "Okay, you know, hundred million bucks." And by the way, that is what is he worth? One hundred and fifty billion? She's, it's like nothing. I mean, it's literally nothing. Yep, but hey, yep. good for him, Obama Foundation. I don't know what that means, but gets yeah. to go to all their parties. I guess that's where it happens. You know. You think anyway, it's fine. Parties? Whatever. I think his wife's doing a better job. That's all I have to say. But whatever. McKinsey. I, yeah, well, McKinsey's a baller. Baller, Ma yeah. McKinsey, McKinsey, like put McKenzie. out a billion dollars overnight. Yeah, overnight. And not only that, I love how she does. It. Doesn't she's put out a press release. Doesn't, doesn't. She just and she gives it, it, and she gives it to non-cool places that like need the money, like Cal State Fullerton. Yeah, or yeah. or sure places that need more money. I have to mental health counseling for trans kids. She's just like, yeah. this seems worthwhile. Cut them a check. No right. press release. Yeah. No name on I'm anything. I'm liking her She's... way of doing it. I have to say, I still do. I don't like to oh. compare divorced people, but I'm on. I'm on team uh, McKenzie on this one. Oh, she's fantastic. Um, so, other. Lastly, uh, surprise witness testified in the Elizabeth Holmes trial on Friday. Who do you think that was? I have not been following it. Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Holmes. Holmes. Yeah. Said she believes you're never the supposed to take the stand. Have you? Yeah, been following I know. It? Well, she has. Yes, it's fascinating. Yeah. I'm sort of, sort of trying to. The lines apparently around the block. John Kerry wrote, you know, showed a picture of what was happening. But she said she believed the company's blood testing machines 
could work. She's testifying right yeah. now. Um, it's really quite something that she's doing this. After all the testimony previously, which yeah. is like she thought it wouldn't work, she she kind of has to get on the stand and say, say she believed it and trying to use her her powers of persuasion. I don't really understand it. I guess she has no choice, or I don't I don't know what. They, that means that the her counsel did a a risk adjusted assessment and said you're fucked. We got to throw a hail mary. It's mm-hmm. uh, my understanding. We should ask Preet about this, but my understanding is you never want to take the stand. So. The fact that they put her on the stand mm-hmm. means, and and not if, always. I actually no, think, no, no. Sometimes it's like I want to tell my. I don't. I'm not guilty. I'm going to tell my story. But what what she's saying is essentially that she didn't. Um, she didn't do anything. She thought she believed in it. You can't. There's there's something legally. Someone was explaining to me if she believed it, it's not illegal, right? I think that's what she's trying to establish. Yeah, but here. but I I actually think, and I, to a certain extent, I don't like all this courtroom drama. I think that you should just let the courts do their case, uh, do their job. But mm-hmm. the I think she's cooked because mm-hmm. uh, they've been playing audio mm-hmm. or voicemails from her where right. she is clearly. She knew about. She knew that the company did not have mm-hmm. a contract from the military to do rapid blood testing mm-hmm. on helicopters in Afghanistan. She mm-hmm. knew that was not yeah. the case, and she was claiming that. Right. She she was she was not exaggerating. She was lying about the state of the business to investors, into the media, and they have th- what's really damning. It's because it's very emotional. These are people who make these decisions on the jury. Mm-hmm. They have her voice. They, they, they basically say this was not happening. She knew it was not happening. These emails validate she knew this wasn't happening. And this is her mm-hmm. on a call. We have opened our, our first doors and have patients uh, coming in live every day. Uh, we are working to expand that as fast as possible. The speed with which we expand is critical in the context of capturing the market opportunity that we have created. I think she's pretty cooked. And my understanding is that almost always your counsel will say, okay, you're a megalomaniac and you think you're going to get up there and tell a great story, but guess what? There's someone who's going to get to cross-examine you and it's going to be really fucking ugly. So we're not going yeah. to take the stand. Well, I don't know. This is what, this is, this is according again to the Times. Uh, first, they said Mrs. Holmes, they're trying to, this is their theory. Is first, they have said Mrs. Holmes was a, a Ms. Holmes was a hardworking entrepreneur who believed her claims that Theranos technology was revolutionary and whose failure was not a crime. So, oh, I tried to make it and it didn't happen. Second, other Theranos employees, executives, investors should have known better that it might not work. And third, Ms. Holmes was manipulated, if that doesn't work, by uh, Ramesh uh, Balwani, who is known as Sonny and who was formerly Theranos' chief operating officer and Mrs. Holmes' boyfriend. Yeah, she's got a whole bunch going in. She's got, this is what she's going to do. Although it looks like her emails are like, I will cut you, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's really, it's funny. uh, What do you think is going to happen here? Everyone everyone they're going to bet on this stuff. I think they're going to, she's this idea of being a hardworking entrepreneur that didn't, just tried her best is not going to work, I suspect. There's too much email and stories of her threatening people, I think, you know? Yeah. I think people are on to her. I think it doesn't help that she's a woman. Honestly, there's lots of men who've done stuff like this in Silicon Valley. So I think saying, uh, oops, you know, oops, I made a, I, I didn't know it would work. It's not going to work. I don't think so. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting, and I wonder if it'll so- send a chill through no. through the tech community. People say that. Probably not, I right? I don't think so. Why? Why? They don't care. They don't. Th- she really went very far in pushing mm-hmm. the limit. I don't, you know, you have all kinds of, like, cla- hyperbolic claims, and I think that's what people say, oh, now you can't be hyperbolic in Silicon. I don't think so. 
I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, as you, if in, you don't have emails showing that you threatened people for exposing you, you don't, mm-hmm. you're not as big, I don't know, I think there's very few and far between of those people. I think there's a whole lot of liars in Silicon Valley, and that's very different. Um, mm-hmm. But they call themselves the hopeful, right? They're hopeful. And I think that it, it, that's why she's doing it. But I don't know. She can't rely on all these. She can't be stupid, bad at business. Everyone else should have known that maybe it wouldn't work. And my boyfriend made me do it. It's just a, way too much data for the for the things. Anyway. All right. Let's go on to our big story. Amazon left its customer data completely exposed inside the company, according to reports from Wired and Reveal. These reports say Amazon employees uh, abused lax security to snoop on purchases of celebrities and accepted bribes from sellers trying to get an edge on the competition. The situation was allegedly so chaotic, Amazon's own security teams couldn't map the flow of data or who was accessing it. Oh, this is so typical. This happened at Facebook and other places, Uber. These problems occurred on the retail side of the company. Amazon Web Services runs its own data security. That's not part of the problem, which is what it's a new CEO, uh, Andy Jassy, ran AWS. So I, I guess... Uh, not surprised. A lot of the data ended up being in China and India. Um, we'll see where it goes. Uh, but apparently Amazon employees looked into Kanye West's purchases and the Avengers actors. Uh, but they could have looked up to anyone. This happened on Uber. It happened on Facebook in the very early days. Mm-hmm. So what, what thinks you of this? Uh, to be blunt, I think it's a big nothing burger. Really? I don't. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. Because wow. when you're talking about a bunch of people making 15 bucks an hour who are naturally curious to see what Kanye is buying. I, I don't want to say we empathize, but we can kind of understand it. And I think it happens informally all over the, mm-hmm. uh, the corporate world. People are fascinated by celebrities and everything they do. Mm-hmm. And also the downside of this is maybe some sellers on Amazon got an edge or it was inappropriate or it was just unprofessional. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a big difference between that and weaponizing elections and vi- violating election laws. I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable. I would I buy? I guess. I don't know. Uh, okay. Go ahead. Um, keep going. Yeah. Your purchase history is much more, probably much more interesting than <laughs> diapers, mine. Diapers, 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 yeah, hardware. There you go. You know. Uh, so I don't, I don't think, and Amazon for the most part has such a reservoir of trust and kind of executional competence. I, I think they roll right over this. I don't think it's a big deal. Okay. Well, what do you it's, think? It's, I, you know, I think they've got, I think governments are a little less kind about, so, oh, well, people like yep. to look at Kanye's purchases. It's kind of like, you don't have trust in the company you're doing. You assume data leakage all the time, but not, I remember yeah. when this happened to Facebook and Uber, it made me super nervous about their their data. Now, of course, I'm like, I don't I don't care where I go. I go to work and back. Like, who cares? Right. Um, but I think in this case, this is a lot of data that's quite, you know, personal. Like, I mean, it's not that personal, but it is. And a lot of people, again, people should be able to buy what they want in secrecy if they feel like it. So their Agreed. former uh, chief information uh, security uh, head of information security said it was put together by tape and bubble gum. Um, so, you know, this is the, the problem is when they have all this data and they're not mm-hmm. um, protecting it. Um, he said it was an afterthought. It was shocking to me. Um, launches were shouted in utmost security and employees were giving astounding amounts of access to practically every everything. Now, of course, they need access to a lot of stuff, but the data breaches should be limited. I think that's what happened to uh, a lot of these other companies is they limited the amount of access um, mm-hmm. and and that the, at the that the group of people in infosec was too was too small. Um, it was too small. And it drained money from other things, and so I could see them being sloppy. 
in this way. And that's how leakage happens across things. But it leaves it open to, like, the, in this case, the Chinese, other sellers, et cetera, et cetera, um, and that they're expanding too fast. This is what happened at Robinhood, too, right? Expansion too fast, not enough customer service. You know, it's the same Yeah, but the harm, uh, uh, but I do think there's a distinction. And Robinhood, which is my, you know, f- favorite punching bag, when Robinhood doesn't make the requisite investments in customer service, you end up with people or uh, who think they're down $700,000 when they're not, not mm-hmm. and they can't get anyone on the phone to explain to them, no, you're not, mm-hmm. you don't owe us $700,000. And uh, that lead that, that can lead to much uglier places than a certain reseller getting access to information they shouldn't have or, mm-hmm. or the fact that Kanye buys a certain type of Nespresso pods. The harm here, I do think that the downside, if you will, when Amazon is weaponized or hacked, it doesn't present nearly the threat that if Google were to be hacked. If Google right. were all of a sudden, I think the ultimate hack that creates social chaos would be, and it just goes to how much we trust Google, uh, if there was a hack and go- your name and your picture were above every search you'd ever conducted chronologically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it would create oh, total yeah. social chaos. Yeah, I was thinking that on Twitter. And and Google, to their credit, I think, has people who are thinking, unlike Amazon and definitely unlike Facebook, I think Google does a decent job, at least at the core search engine, of. Of, of, of saying, well, what if this happened? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and they, they have, because as far as I can tell, search query data from individuals has never been hacked. And you want to talk about some embarrassing shit that would lead to, like— What's the, your most embarrassing call? thing you search? Oh, what's my least embarrassing thing? Come on, I mean, come on. Any, anything that pops into my mind, I'm like, oh, what is, <laughs> what's my old girlfriend up to these days? You yeah, know, just, right, yeah. Uh, look, and, uh, look, Google knows if you're contemplating divorce, if you're contemplating getting engaged, it knows your sexual fetishes, it knows who you're obsessing over, it knows if you're about to quit your job, it knows yeah, if you're thinking fair. of terminating a pregnancy, it knows if you're worried if you've exposed yourself to HIV, it knows if you go, I mean, it just knows everything mm-hmm. about yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And this, that hack would cause chaos. Whereas if Kanye's purchase patterns are somehow revealed on a website somewhere, yeah. okay, that's meaningful, but it's not profound. So he bought a lot uh, so of, I like, for instance, with me, it would be like paper towels. Interesting. Interesting. It's a lot of paper towels. That you kind can of be honest. You're a freak. It's a freak <laughs> show over there. I to, you can be you honest. Know, I got to look it up right now. We're talking, but you're right. I think your search, even even your search on Twitter. I just I, the other day, I literally was like, "What if someone could see what I'm looking for on Twitter? Not good. Like how how protected is this? Right? Because you know you have you sitting up late at night, just bored out of your mind, kind of thing. And and so I'm actually never bored. But you know what I mean. You, it creates a uh, interest in you um, that. I think you you is would be dangerous for people to have, right? Um, as opposed to Amazon, which is your stuff. It depends on what you buy, right? So here's I bought I bought a, a lamp, I bought some mm-hmm. light bulbs, I bought mm-hmm. track lighting, I bought a mock uh, turtleneck, a leather top. pants and a gag ball, leather I, pants no, and a gag ball. That I bought some power strips that are cool looking. I bought some shampoo. I'm going through it just to give everyone my. I bought mm-hmm. an OXO tot bottle drying rack. That was great. I bought something t- mm-hmm. a Tyne Row retainer for my Bosch uh, dishwasher. It's really old and it needs it. Um, mm-hmm. I bought some diapers. Uh, I bought a potty seat. I mean, it just goes on. Like you could see, this was e- easy, but you could also listen to me. Um, I bought face masks, uh, which for my son who's working. I, I bought. Does uh, this get a, more interesting? No, I don't think. I think, I think I'm pathetic at this point. Now that I'm reading it for you, 
I uh, hate to interrupt this fascinating narrative. Um, <laughs> the the I've always thought Dog a really tooth. dangerous a yeah. really dangerous hack or yeah. would be if someone hacked Uber and then put mm-hmm. a layer of intelligence on top of it. You could absolutely track or figure out, okay, infidelity. Yeah. What is yeah. this woman leaving That's her you, yeah. apartment at 1 a.m. three times a week and going mm-hmm. to the same apartment? What you're planning to terminate a pregnancy? You yeah. are have diabetes. You have. They could, with a small layer of artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. layered on top of your travel patterns, where yeah. you're taking cars to and from. This person is clearly an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. This person is clearly buying drugs three or four times a week. I mean, with yeah. a thin layer of AI placed on top of Uber data, you could you could find out some. You could really violate people, or somebody else could violate people's privacy. Although honestly. I think people are using Ubers less because they cost so much now. But yeah, that's absolutely true. 100%. I agree. I agree. That's um, what I'm saying. I'm not as nervous that, that I bought a three-foot inflatable pumpkin on October yeah, I 21st. I just don't think it's that big a deal. I was just trying to think what it says about me. I'd like you to read yours out like that. Because I, I leave the yeah, clean I life. I use Amazon. I, I, use Amazon. I use Amazon a lot. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. The one, one relationship I have that I'm embarrassed by. Anyway, uh, it, 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 you're right. I think you're right. It's going to be a big nothing for them, but they need to Other clean it up. They said they cleaned it up. Amazon it. said they cleaned it up, and this was passed. Um, but they should keep cleaning it. They should not, you know, bump on the road. Clean nothing, it up. Clean it up. Burger. That's. I don't. I don't agree. I think they have to clean it. Anyway, let's go. There's going to be a lot of jobs in cybersecurity. We're way down for all of those things. That would be a great job for anybody to go into cybersecurity. And then you could also hack people, too. Anyway, let's go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Biden agenda and take a listener question. Scott, we're back with our second big story. The House of Representatives passed the Build Back Better bill on Friday. That doesn't mean it's through. It's got to go through the Senate. It's going to change a lot. The bill funds universal pre-K, renewable energy, Medicare expansion, four weeks of paid parental leave up from zero and a lot more. The total costs $1.75 trillion. It's not out of the woods. I said it goes to the Senate. Mm-hmm. It's going to be revised by President Joe Manchin and Vice President Kristen Sinema. Uh, he's, Joe Manchin doesn't like the paid family leave because why would he? Uh, Bernie Sanders spoke against the increased salt deduction. Um, you know, it's going to get mangled. And of course, then Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who does speak up, talked to the New York Times for, you know, doesn't really talk that much, sort of threatening off to her, off to her on the progressive side. Um, so, uh, said we've already made enough, uh, compromises. And then of course, a lot of people focused on things like, tree equity, which you can make fun of, but people in poor areas don't have trees, and it might be nice to give them some trees. Anyway, because we give rich people things all the time. Um, so what do you think after a year? They won't get family leave. Uh, look, I, I really hope this happens. I hope that um, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm just so fed up hearing about Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinemas. I, I really hope getting they get lots of money hard. from Republicans, just say, Republican donors. Oh yeah, and um, you know, I used to think, well, they're moderates, they're they're legislating, they're doing what they're supposed to do, and now I feel as if they are just drunk on their own, <laughs> their own power, and they're literally at this point supposedly writing the legislation. They're, mm-hmm. Biden's basically thrown up his arms, supposedly, and said, "Okay, what will you pass? You, okay, yeah, let's be honest. You have yeah. all the power here. Well done. Yeah, um, what will you pass? And look, the, the, it all comes down to this: the middle class is not organic." The greatest ballast in the history of mankind has been the American middle class from the end of World War II to now. It's fought, it's turned back Hitler, it's found, you know, the, the, the cure for polio, it's, 
it's spread democracy and women's rights all over mm -hmm. the world. It, you know, we get a lot wrong, but we get things less wrong than anyone in the world, I believe. And the thing that's been the ballast for that, the source of that incredible good has been the American middle class. And the thing is, it's not an organic thing. It's not self-sustaining because of network technology, because of capital, because of certification from universities. It's largely sequestered to the freakishly remarkable and the children of rich people. Yeah. You are going to have the top 1% and the top 10% pull away if you don't intervene. And unless you redistribute, like investing in bridges, which have no short-term payoff but have immense long-term payoff, unless you invest, reinvest in the middle class, you don't have a ballast for the greatest experiment in the history of mankind, the U.S. And so we have to – and Republicans will say that it happens on its own, that you should – the way you unleash the middle class and prosperity is by letting the market take over. That is absolutely not true. If you look through economic history – the middle class in any nation is something that has to be fed and cared for and invested in. And this investment is long overdue. And so I hope – I really hope we come together uh, mm -hmm. and pass this. It's 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 enormously important yeah. and it's key to America's prosperity. Yeah, I just it'll, – it'll be interesting to see. Galloway 2022. Things. I just – it's interesting because the Galloway progressives – Galloway 2022. <laughs> progressives are making a, a big play. A chicken in every pot is the Alice in every medicine cabinet. Promised. Let's talk about the real things. I think it's going to pass but with – with you know, they'll take away the trees for poor people, which is like – you know, and give rich people the salt deduction. Like, that is what happens. Um, I, I love that. that <laughs> no tax increases. We're taking this, but we're going to. We're going to restore the tax deduction for there salt. Were a couple, whatever. It's a small, such a small money. Give them fucking trees. Like they, everyone should bet. You know what? Interesting. I interviewed. That, remember Ruck, uh, Rutger Bregman, who was the historian who yelled at uh, at uh, the rich people at Davos, and then he had a fight with Tucker Carlson. He's really Tucker fantastic. Carlson, yeah. yeah, he he's a new book called Humankind, which is saying that basically people are decent. And one, of, and mm -hmm. he also previously had had a UBI book a long time ago, and he was like, instead of looking at it like um, I had one of those, I took a income. I took um, antibiotics for it. Oh wait. UBI, oh, not UTI. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. No, sorry. Go ahead. Anyway, he was saying the way it's been in, calling it income allows people to feel like it's a gimme kind of thing when you should think of it as a dividend for people who, for our country, and that it's he's called it venture capital for the uh, for the poor or regular people essentially. At, this is UBI essentially, but at the same time, That's giving right. things like that to people is like a good thing. Like you know, I don't know. It just. We are so mean to poor people, like in terms of yeah, cutting them off. And I, I'm not. I, I would say if I had to put myself anywhere in a political thing, I suppose I would be centrist. I guess not anymore. I feel like I've been shoved pretty far over to the left. But, um, but it, it's really interesting that 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 two people are sort of running the show here and there's just no choice whatsoever. And then once the Republicans take over, which seems likely, it's they're going to get a whole lot of nothing. Or maybe they're positioning themselves well in a Republican-led uh, Congress. Who knows? Seems yeah, I, I think I think things look really bad for us, quite frankly, right now. Things, I mean, there's a lot of time till 2022. Uh, uh, but I think this is I think this is really important. And infrastructure used to be something that was fairly bipartisan. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, anyways, I'm, I'm hopeful that it, I just want something to pass and get through. And I, I just I never need to hear the terms mansion and cinema again. Yeah, I can't believe paid family leave is anything controversial. Universal basic uh, uh, health care should be that and same thing with paid family leave when you have kids, honestly. It's crazy. Well, it's just I, crazy that you have to rely on states like California. You know what's discouraging data? And this is going to be my fail today. Young people aren't having kids. Yeah, and they are. There was, when you present stories. When you present a family with these options, like, all right, housing's becoming more expensive. 
Oh, and if if and when you decide to have kids, your company isn't obligated to give you family leave. Mm-hmm. People, what what are they? And, oh, and by the way, as a percentage of GDP, the wealth of people under the age yep. of forty, we've decided to cut it from twenty percent to nine percent. So it's like, okay, young people. We're not going to give you as much money. We're not going to give you any protection to have kids, but we want you to have kids. I mean, people are just, they're not having children. And if you look at the birth dearth across Japan and Italy, it's really bad for an economy. And then you decide to militarize the border and not let anybody. And it's like, well, okay, who's going who's gonna to make our shit? Who's going to actually support all these seniors? Who's going to support Pop-Up and Nana's cruise on Crystal if all of a sudden it's no longer five people supporting every retiree, it's three, then two, then one. Mm-hmm. I think it's very discouraging that we yeah. don't want to put in place incentives. If you look at what's happened through COVID, the great resignation is really, uh, you zero in on it. Mm-hmm. It's like Jonathan Haidt's work shows that depression and social media, you really got to zero in on teenage girls. That's where mm-hmm. the ground zero for it. If you really want to zero in on the great resignation, it's women who who don't have in place the support system from the government or from their corporation to make it viable for them to work. Yep, I agree. And that is bad for the economy. The American economy hummed. The, the kind of the great growth we had through kind of the 60s through the 80s was because we created an ecosystem where women could enter the workforce and mm-hmm. we decided to, to go back. It's just, yeah. it's just dumb. I feel it's like dumb. if they don't pass it here, Biden's got to pull out the I, – I was reading the the AOC interview, like pull out the executive orders a little bit. You know, once people get paid family leave, they're going to like it. and It's going to be very hard to take back by Republicans, you know, and we're going to give you money. Um, but paid family leave, just not just to take care of kids, but to to care for ill family members, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's just crazy that this hasn't, it's just, it, it's cra- in throughout the land. I mean, it's, it's in certain states. Um, but it's, you know, I, I can tell you just having all the kids I have, it, I, I I have money and it's exhausting, like, ex- which is not like, oh no, Kara, but Jesus Christ, pay family should be just, uh, uh, everybody should have this. It's not, it doesn't, it's not a, it's a social safety night item that's good for the economy. It's good for the economy, for people. It's not a gimme. It's not, you know, everyone talks about it that way, any of these things. It's, when they're given to poor people, they're talked about like they're, um, have their hand out. And when it's given to rich people, it's because they're going to use it to help the economy. So anyway. Yeah, it's I well I don't I think mean, that's left it is, to say. It is it is pretty rational to believe that the greatest investment you can make is in kids. Yeah. So and the most important thing for kids is that they have a secure, loving I mean the the resting blood pressure for kids in poverty mm-hmm. is significantly higher than the resting blood pressure for kids who live in uh uh homes that are not um uh, uh not low income. Yeah. So it's like, okay, how do we get children to not have high blood pressure? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just there's some kind of basics here where you think, well, if we're the wealthiest society in the world, we need to start acting like it. There's just some basics mm-hmm. that uh, – and what I was so excited about was the child tax credit. There's just few things, few programs in history that could do more to eliminate child poverty. I mean, yeah. you'd think it would be a bipartisan issue. Most people on either side of the aisle go – uh, child poverty is a bad thing that we should address. Yep, yep. It's interesting because one one of the leading uh, proponents, Kirsten Gillibrand, is being ap- apologetic about it to try to get it to pass. She's saying all nice things about Mansion, et cetera. Um, and this is, we know if it's parent, parental leave, parents, mothers are 40% more likely to get back to work if they mm-hmm. pay leave, which goes to Senator Manchin's concern that he wants to strengthen our social safety nets. He wants to strengthen Social Security. That's what paid leave does. It gets people back to work. It allows people to stay in the workforce even when there's a family emergency. Like, apologizing right. for this, I'd be like, listen, you you Yahoo, that, pass this yeah. friggin' thing. I know she's pop, saying that in yeah. the back of her head. 
So who knows? Yeah, yeah. we'll see. I, it's it's. Um, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Kara. I'm not. We'll see what happens. I'm not. Anything that helps. Not. You know, women manage children seems to be not a positive thing. Anyway, we'll see where it goes. Uh, but I think of all the things, I, I, both universal pre-K and four weeks, at the very least, a paid family leave, it should be eight weeks, um, seems things that should be absolutely, I can't believe people aren't for them. It's really, it's, it's really shocking. And the people that need it the most are probably the ones that are being convinced they don't need it, which is ridiculous. Okay, let's take a listener question about responsible disclosure. You've got, you've got, I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You've got mail. All right, this came in via email from Madison Cancer. Yeah, K-A-N-T-Z-E-R. You want me to read it to you, Scott? Because you're eating. Sure. Okay. In other engineering disciplines, you need to do impact analysis before you start work. You can't build a building unless you've done a full study on impact on local wildlife and water runoff analysis. You have to do safety studies where you can put humans in a car or on a rocket ship. Why shouldn't software and algo boys be treated the same? To do a full rollout of the new model, you need to do an impact study and publish it. You don't need to publish how you built the model, but you certainly need to publish the effects. Does it tend to make people happier or sadder? Does it tend to increase or decrease violent behaviors? Does it reward or punish false claims? If you don't have the resources to build a bridge safely, you don't have the resources to build a bridge. If you don't have the resources to test a model, you don't have the resources to deploy it. It comes down to one word, mm-hmm. and that is attribution. And that is, if you're riding the Matterhorn at Disneyland and you get thrown out of your yeah. bobsled uh, and you die, they know that it was a lack of safety standards and protocols right. that killed you. That Disney is responsible for it because they charge people and give them some inherent uh, guarantee of safety when they ride the rides. When you program a company to connect people or algorithms that connect people, and then slowly but surely you start to tell the algorithms to spread content that in, in kind of engages people, and it ends up the algorithm starts saying, okay, the stuff that engages people is rage mm-hmm. and misinformation, it's really difficult to reverse engineer specific content back to specific self-harm. It's really difficult to reverse engineer teen depression to specific causes. You know, it's a variety of things. So software and, you know, the, the interaction and human behavior around software, it's very hard to ring fence it and out, isolate it and not end up on Twitter with a bunch of self-appointed statisticians saying shit like, well, correlation isn't causation. When in fact, when you take out every other cause, you can say, well, in fact, it is correlation. So that's the problem. It's attribution. So, so, okay. Yes or no. You shouldn't be able, you can't, you're not able to do it in other words. Well, I I think it's, I think it's difficult. What I would argue is instead of over-regulating the development of software and asking for them to do all sorts of testing, so the mm-hmm. FDA does this. If yes. you want to put out a yeah. product or a drug with technology, I, I would argue, and I'm going to sound like a big tech lobbyist. You do. Lobbyist That's why I'm asking. You sound a little bit like a big tech has, lobbyist. Well, technology has created as only so much utility and shareholder value. I think that the idea of a little bit of a Wild West mentality around regulation is important. Where I would uh, mm-hmm. address it is that I think that they should be more legally liable. I almost say let the trial mm-hmm. lawyers loose. And that's the thing I hate about 230 is that, okay, if you're, if you're willing to take the risk that your organization might end up circumventing minimum wage laws, you mm-hmm. should be liable for violating right. minimum wage laws if that ends up happening. If it ends up that they can prove that about the time social went to mobile, that young girls started engaging in self-harm, 
then that organization and across and then other organizations, including other social media platforms, should be liable. I think it's yeah, I, I think it's on the back end because a lot of times they can stop it. They can say, okay, there are unintended consequences we did not initially see. I don't think the people who initially built Facebook no, saw. I, I can any tell of this you they shit. didn't. I don't know. He I don't was think so far it. too helpful. Hopeful is what I would say, like naively hopeful. And I, I yeah. of course, was like, people are shitty. Um, I think he had this mentality that there wasn't that there wasn't going to be used for bad. I think there is a question. I, you know, I talk about this anticipation of consequences a lot, and they certainly could get a lot better at it. But I agree, mm-hmm. there's no way to measure it until it's out. And, the, and this is not like a, a drug. This is not like a car. Um, it's very hard to um, you know, bridge. You know, it's just, of course, all these things, it's very, when bridges do collapse, it's rare, right? In At least in sort of a, high, a higher level society, even societies with more money, um, you don't see buildings. I mean, the, the whole thing around the, the Miami collapse was it was shocking, right? It was shocking that yeah. it doesn't happen um, without a, without a you know, an earthquake or flood or et cetera. And so I just think that uh, you can't, I, I don't think you can do it, Madison. Okay, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails. Okay, Scott, we're going to do wins and fails. I'm going to start with a win. I'll tell you what my win is. It's going to surprise you. It's going to, that Spotify uh, removed Shuffle Play as a default option on all albums for premium users. So tracks play in order intended. You know who requested this? Adele. Yeah. So it doesn't, I I hate Shuffle Play. I mean, I like it if I want it, but it's always like Mm -hmm. it suddenly goes to songs I don't want. I like it. And Adele, of course, this was the said on Twitter. Mm -hmm. This is the only request I had in our ever-changing industry. We don't create albums so much care and thought into our track listing for no reason. Our art tells a story and our stories should be listened to as we intended. Thank you for Spotify for listening. I think that's great. It shouldn't be default. It should, if people want to do it, they can do it. That's what I like. I love Adele. She's the best. Thank you. That is my win. Go Adele. Let me do a fail very quickly. I think the the okay. all the the language surrounding Kyle Rittenhouse and the, those trials and and sort of attacks on the media are the fail. Um, this is a jury trial. This is what was decided. I think we have to. It was a jury trial. Whatever you think mm-hmm. of the jury, it was it was done. I think the the prosecution had a very weak case, as I noted to you. I think several weeks ago, um, and uh, had enough doubt in there. So that's what it is. And. Unf- whether whatever side you happen to agree with, that is what it is. It was a jury trial that seems unfair to many. Um, seems completely ridiculous that he was on trial to many. Um, I'm not both sides ism this thing, but it is what it is. And so, what I didn't like is all this. this uh, there was all you know the dunking on the media for doing it wrong. I actually looked over a lot of the coverage, and except for like pundits. Mm-hmm. It was fine. It would totally reported what was happening. And, you know, they, anyone, all these people who use any kind of thing to attack the media, like for not like as if we're one lumps thing, it's just exhausting. I was, I commented, I was in a laundromat this weekend because my child vomited um, and I was cleaning a comforter because you can't clean them in these newfangled machines. Um, and I was sort of like, y- you people who all you do is dunk on the media for whatever. You There are better people you need to dunk on. So that's what I feel like. Anyway, go ahead. All right. Um, okay, so my my fail uh, uh, is it just it, I think we need to get away from the politicization of science. To me, science should be the most non-political thing, and yeah, I think it's disappointing that we figured out a way. I mean, even if you look through back just a few years, the anti-vaxxers were from the far left, and I, I think we just need to move back to this notion that science is 
kind of this non-political closest thing we have to a truth. And it is just so discouraging that oh, with every scientific breakthrough or every application of healthcare, we've decided, is it left, is it right, and am I for or against it based on this, mm-hmm. this ridiculous notion of some a vaccine for some reason is associated with the left. I think that's an enormous – I don't know if it's education. I don't know if it's getting more Republican doctors out there or if it's – for Democrats to be more thoughtful about cons- – I, I don't know what it is, but it's dangerous that science has been politicized. I think that's an enormous threat and a fail. And my win is on the, the same side of the coin. There is now uh, a potential one-dose treatment to functionally uh, cure HIV while everyone's so focused on COVID-19 and these vaccines, which is understandable. We now have um, – there's several uh, antiviral treatments uh, to manage HIV infection, but there's never been a cure. And just the thought uh, – I have someone in my life who's HIV positive, and the thought that he – you know, he's had this ghost haunting him for 30 years. It's just kind of always there. You can manage it, uh, but the idea that you might be able to exercise that demon is just such – it's such an enormous uh, victory for mm-hmm. science, assuming it happens – so look, my fail, my fail is that uh, we have some, somehow decided to politicize what should be the most apolitical thing in history, and that is science. And uh, the win is that I, uh, we continue to attract these incredibly smart people who are backed with a lot of capital. I mean, capitalism for all the for all the downsides and externalities around uh, some of the pharma, uh, some of the pharmaceutical companies that have happened uh, or that have occurred. I do think that science is. It does feel as if we are reaching – you know, we always talked about the singularity, about how there'd be this mm-hmm. great acceleration in discovery. I do think we're going to come out of the novel coronavirus. There's been so much great research done and so many papers around vaccines. I think we're going to have a, a, a few years of real wonderful breakthrough discovery. So my fail that we politicize science and my win is just science. Science. Okay. Okay. All Pretty science. general. Pretty Everybody. basic. All right. I'm coming with it. Pretty basic. Yeah. And the gag ball I bought on Amazon. That's my win. <laughs> That's my win. I don't think you can buy a gag ball on Amazon. I'm, I'm oh, you can. That. Trust me on this. I'm going to look for you it. Can. Go ahead. Keep going. Trust Give me. me a real one. Come on. I'm looking up gag balls on Amazon right now. I'm just telling you. A real you one? What do you mean a real one? Like anyone. I don't think gag balls are for sale. I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I don't think they are. Mm. Oh, yeah. Give me a real positive one. Come on. Is there a movie you saw? I watched that Red Notice with Gail Godot. It's literally oh, the worst movie of I all time. I did my film one. You want a better win? My win? Yeah. I don't know yeah. that I just finished being a pharma. I'm telling you, Kara, have you seen Dope Sick? Uh, no, I told you I didn't. Powerful. Best series of the year. Powerful. All right. And a nice crowning achievement for Michael Keaton. Just power. And Rosaria Dawson, who is like one of the most beautiful women in the world, mm-hmm. is she fantastic is in it. Yeah. It's, ugh, it is so powerful. All right, I'm going to so give powerful. you a show. And it, oh, wait, hold on. In related news, in related yeah. news, Mark Zuckerberg and Shel Sandberg are changing their name to Sackler. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's I'm gonna good humor. I'm going to give you a show That's... that you need to watch. You, you already said Dope Seek. The Sex Lives of College Girls, which uh, is so good I'm on in. HBO. I'm in. No, Don't need to sell really me on that. It's really funny. It's really funny. And it's Mindy Kaling's well, show. And it's wonderful. I was. Oh, Mindy, I sat there funny. waiting for Amanda to show up for our, we're going to watch Red Notice and started watching yeah. this. And it was clever and funny and lovely. I have to say it was, it's really, it's about obviously Mindy Kaling's life in a, a fan. I think she went uh, to look, Dartmouth. With that title, I'll watch it twice. But it's not really about sex. It's like sort of sex in the city, but Don't really talk me lovely. out of it. 
All right, but okay. I'm just saying it's called The Sex Lives of College Girls. I think you'll like it. It's charming. It's charming and Mindy Who's Kaling. Who are the who are the stars? You know, one of the stars, there's all these interesting stars from they're not people you know, but they've done amazing things. Like one of the mm-hmm. one of the girl uh, one of the women in it is was in Mean Girls on Broadway. The other is uh, I, I, is a Chalamet. It's the sister of of Timothée Chalamet. I think it's Patricia Chalamet. I don't know, something like that. She's in it. She plays kind of a dorky Midwesterner. Um, it's really lovely. It's lovely. It's a lovely, lovely show. It's a lovely, lovely show. Well, she's very talented. She has a great reputation, Mindy Kaling. Yeah, she does. I have to say, this is. I've watched a bunch of her shows, but this, and I know she had some hits, but this one's just got a lot of heart. I got to say, you need to watch it. There's a little bit of sex, but not that much. I have to tell you, but it's it's really a lovely. Lovely show. All right. Now, Scott, before we go, what are you thankful for? Oh, so much. I, I would say more than anything, I'm really thankful that I have a, a competent person to raise kids with. I've, I've, I've had such a wonderful year with my boys, and my boys did really well in school. And the reality is it wasn't them doing well in school. It was their mom doing well in yeah, school, your mom, your who I would come home. Hot ticket item in many ways, not just in all ways, I have to say. But look, uh, and I think we want to make that investment. I thought mm-hmm. when it goes, I'm tying this back to this infrastructure bill. Oh, this meant more people. Mm-hmm. There, a society is here, an economy is here for a middle class. And the most important thing about a middle class is to build, you know, give people the opportunity to establish relationships so they can have loving, secure households. And I have, you know, I'm thankful. I have a loving, secure household. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a gift from God. And it's taken a lot of work and a lot of patience and a lot of luck. But I'm, I'm thankful I'm thankful that I'm raising children with someone competent such that they can be successful. That is a very nice thing. She's amazing. I have to say. Can I just tell you, you can buy what gag your, balls on for? Amazon, but it doesn't come up first. Back to the gag ball. I'm just saying it doesn't come up first. First comes on wobble, wiggle, yeah, giggle scroll. ball. It's a dog thing. Then there's yeah, then oh, there, there are go. gag balls. Black open mouth ball diameter. I just send it to you, just so you know, on the thing. There's also Happy Nuts Comfort Cream Ball Deodorant for Men, which I'm buying you for Christmas, which is very exciting for you. Ball cream. (laughs) Wow. This is like the page to buy Scott Christmas presents. Kara, what are you thankful for? My wonderful family, I have to say. We are exhausted. Amanda's astonishing. The boys have been great with the kids. Mm -hmm. Claire is a golden child. She's just, she was sick and she was still like fantastic. And the baby, Mm -hmm. just really great. Really Mm -hmm. amazing group. I'm so tired and I realize I'm never going to retire as I noted to you, but boy, am I lucky in that regard. It gives me a big old, you know, you know, there was someone who was talking about fuck you money. Um, you know, that people people mm-hmm. can earn it and people, everyone should have the ability to say no and yes. Um, mm-hmm. But I I have, I don't want to say fuck you family, but every time I get mad, I'm like, oh, whatever, I have a nice family. So uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's I, that's what I'm thankful for. Okay, Scott, that's the show. We'll be back after the holiday. I'm getting our tricky from Pam the Butcher, who works for, who Louie works for. Um, as always, you can submit your question to the show at nymag.com slash pivot. Let's read us out, please. We're buying this like $11,000 turkey from a Swiss farm where they feed the turkeys other turkeys. <laughs> um, anyways, today's show is produced by Lara Neyman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Thanks also to Drew Burroughs and Mia Silverio. Ernie Entertot engineered this episode. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or, frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next Friday for another breakdown of all things tech and business. It's one thing to be thankful for your family and your mate on a podcast. It's another to tell them you're thankful. That's what I need yes. to do, Kara. We just did. That's what I need to do. I'm going to take the gag ball out and I'm going to articulate my thanks. <laughs>